You're listening to The Tales We Tell, a podcast about spooky stories, unsolved mysteries, and local lore. I'm your host, Hannah Parch. And I'm Katie. Welcome back! Yay! Yay! We're recording on a Thursday again. We're doing good. Like we normally do. Sort of. Sort of, normally. We are recording later than normal. (laughs) But you know what? That's neither here nor there. Yeah, I have some announcements that I actually wrote down this time. Okay, the first one is we have new patrons! Yay! Yay! Welcome to the patron family! Welcome! So, oh, also, I'm going to make a public apology because I apologized on Instagram, but (laughs) Monday night, I was telling Katie, my anxiety has just been out of control. I'm on a new medication. I don't think it's working. It's a whole thing. And so Monday night, I was just like in a... Like, from the time I got home from work, I was just, like, in a ball in the bed, just, like, under the covers in my safe space and just could not be, couldn't leave. And then I read a comment from Josh, our patron who made our drinking game. (laughs) And I don't know why, he wrote it before any of this happened, but he said, I stay up until midnight on Mondays to to listen to to the podcast as soon as it comes out. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, it's like six. Oh no, Josh, we're so sorry we let you down. I'm really sorry about that. We'll send you some stickers. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for being a good sport about it, though. And new patrons, welcome. The first one is my dad. He finger guns for dad. Papa Jenkins. (laughs) Papa Jenkins. Also known as sometimes a source on the show. He finally joined, which was very nice. And then I'm saving this one for last because I have a story. We have. I know you've been teasing it for a few I days know. now. Well, um, teasing me. Teasing, yeah. <laughs> no one else. Um, so we have a new patron named Kelly. Hello, Kelly. Thank you so much. And she is a North Carolina native. She's currently living in China. Cool. I know. And she sent Not us. Not exactly the greatest time to be living I in China. Mean, but yeah, things are getting better. It's, it's, it is what it is. It's not the greatest time to li- be living here either, but, oh, you know, yes. we're here. And she sent us an Instagram message, and I was like, this doesn't count as your official welcome into the Patreon, but, um, you know, we chatted for a little bit. She has a very cool connection to one of our episodes, and I just copied and pasted because I didn't want to mess it up. Okay. And I, I don't feel like I have to preface which episode it is. She says... I am the great-great-niece of Charlie Lawson. What? From the Lawson murders. She says, he was my great-great-grandfather's brother. My great-grandpa was the man that was with Arthur on Christmas morning rabbit hunting. Wild. I know. <gasps> it gets better. She said, what gets even more small town is that the Lawsons are on my mom's side and the Tuttles, the ones specifically that carried out the infant from the house, are her dad's relatives. She said, So she is related all over to this case. She says, it turns out the family that the Lawsons rented the farm from are my dad's side. So my mom and my dad's family have been entangled ever since, or since way before they were even thought of. That's crazy cool so is there like any more family lore related to the story that maybe we didn't cover or you know maybe is there anything that maybe we didn't get right that well she didn't say that we got anything wrong which was very nice because i was like oh i'm 
Well, I'm glad you liked it. I hope we did a good job. <laughs> I was not expecting a descendant to be listening. But she wrote again, and she said, My great-grandpa, the one who was hunting, used to play tag with me and my cousin when we were around seven or nine. Before he had a diagnosis of Alzheimer's, he would chase us girls for fun. There was a tobacco farm on the property, and we would sometimes run there to hide. As he started to lose his battle, he started to yell at my cousin and I that, quote, us girls couldn't go near the barn he might be in there. She says, I didn't understand this until I was older and my mom and I were talking about this tragedy. I still get goosebumps when I read it. <laughs> that is full body chill. Right? Wow. Jerk, we, so Jerk and I see the messages at the t- same time and I was in the bedroom and he was in the living room. I actually almost read that oh, too. Oh, I'm so glad you didn't. <laughs> yeah, because well, I get the notifications too. Yeah. And I saw it, you know, like this friend from Kelly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know why, but I never, I never really, I just see the notification. I yeah. get, you know, deleted off my screen. But for some reason, I had this urge to actually read this Ooh. one. And I was like, that was weird. Like, I was about to go and, like, read it. And I'm like, why would I do that? I never do that. (laughs) And it was, I caught myself. And I was like, that's very strange. Yeah. And then as soon as you messaged me, like, it was either later that day Mm -hmm. or the very next day. You're like, we have a new listener. And she's got an awesome, you know, connection to one of our episodes. And my brain immediately went to, I'm like, I wonder if it's that message that I almost read. Yeah, it was. Well, Jarrett came in as soon as that so message came in. I know. And we there was like a pause, you know, for us both to read it. And he started, he came in from the living room to the bedroom. And he's like, hey, did you see? And I was like, I just read it. I just read it. <laughs> and then I was like processing it. And I was like, that's really creepy. And also, oh, like, my body is just like, okay, I'm done making those sounds. But thank you. Man. That's really cool. I know. So thank you, Kelly, for sharing that. I asked her if I could share it on the podcast. Also really cool of her to be, you know, listening all the way from China. I know. Like, Like, did did she move to China recently after already? I want to say she said she's been there for about a year. Well, we've been doing this for about a year, so I don't know. Basically, I'm asking: Is she? Did she find us and start listening while she was still in North Carolina, Mm. or did she find us after she moved to China? That's a great question for Kelly. So, Kelly, if you're listening still, uh, DM us or comment or I don't know. There's plenty of ways to get in touch with us, which is my next announcement. We are on the social medias. Katie, what are our socials? You can find us on the Instagram and the Facebook at the Tales We Tell podcast. But pretty much anything we post on Instagram goes to all the other places. Yes. For those of you who don't do the social medias, we have a website. It is the Tales We Tell podcast.com. And there, uh, all of the pictures and, you know, content that we share on Instagram, those photos are also on the website. Yes. And we have a sweet, sweet merch store through Redbubble. It's mm-hmm. redbubble.com. Search the Tales We Tell. And as always, you can become a patron on Patreon. Yep. And you get a wonderful shout-out. You get... All um, of our undying love and gratitude. Oh, for sure. We know all of our patrons by name. And you usually get to listen to your episode. 
They at still got it in day early. At midnight, <laughs> Monday or Monday night, Tuesday morning, whatever. Yeah, still usually, a day usually. early, but usually you can get you can stay up till midnight. Oh, and it's man. there. Sorry yes. again, Josh. Yeah, I know. Sorry. You're such a good listener. I felt like I let you down. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna get into our episode. Story time. Story time. All right. I'm calling this one, so I stole this name. Oh, I didn't even write it down here. Good grief. <laughs> I, well, I did in the sources. Okay. I'm stealing the name of this individual from a blog that I read on him. The blog is questersite.wordpress, and the man who writes it is uh, often on Ancient Aliens, which... I was looking him up, and I mean, he's, like, written some books, but he also stars a lot in Ancient Aliens, but I was like, oh, well, this, this doesn't have to do with aliens, so I feel like maybe I can... Anyways. All right. It's a legit thing. So, who I'm telling you about today is who we are calling the Houston Stalker, and... Doesn't sound very alien-y, you're right. It's not. It has actually nothing to do with aliens, so I'm sorry I brought that up, but... I needed to give some context because when I was reading this guy's blog and I was like, who is he? He knows a lot about this case. Let me look him up. He's he's written some books. And the very first thing is like, regular on ancient aliens. I'm like, oh. All right. Anyways, sidetracked. Interesting credentials. <laughs> so our stories are taking place in Houston, Texas. Our first story starts on June 20th, 1990. My mother was anxiously awaiting the arrival of her second daughter, me. Her favorite. Her favorite. Second and favorite. Second and favorite daughter, me, who would arrive but a short month later. One moon later. Just kidding, Laura. <laughs> so this, the person that this is about doesn't have, she wasn't named, so I gave her a name. Her, I'm calling her Sandy. Sandy is a 30-year-old exotic dancer and she's leaving work around 2 a.m. And she's headed home to where the house that she shares with her boyfriend, whose name is Randy. Is that why you name? Did you name him too? No, Randy was his name. I is that didn't, why you name her San, named her Sandy? No, I honestly didn't think of that. I thought Sandy sounded like a good name for a dancer in the 90s. <laughs> that's not her stage name, though. No, that's her real. Her stage name should be something like Candy. Candy, 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 and, and I. Yeah, there we go. And she <laughs> her eyes with a heart. Yes, she does. So Sandy gets home and she goes upstairs and goes into her bedroom because it's two a.m. and there is a man in there that's not Randy. And this man is wearing dark clothing. They said probably a black shirt and black pants. He has a fishnet stocking over his head, which. Questionable, but okay. Interesting choice. Well, maybe he also just got back from the uh, exotic dance. I know. I'm like, you couldn't find a regular pantyhose to put over your face? Fishnets just, they're not that forgiving. No. And, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe, you know, she's an exotic dancer. He was just trying to be sexy. He was trying to be on That's what it was. Well, he's also holding a long-barreled handgun. That's less sexy. Not good. And he says to her, where's Randy? And she's, I don't know what she says, but he... I could ask you the same thing. <laughs> yeah, who are you? 
So he forces her onto the bed. He tapes her hands, eyes, and mouth with duct tape. I know. I was like, buddy. And then he puts a pillowcase over her head. He taunted her by telling her that she wasn't very observant because he was wearing a military uniform. Now, police think that he was just maybe trying to throw her off or, like, make her doubt her memory because they think that maybe he was wearing a security guard uniform. And he was just trying to be like, ha-ha, I'm wearing a military uniform and you didn't even notice. Or maybe he's got delusions of grandeur or... Yeah. You know, well, my question is, did before that, all this started, did she say, oh, you're wearing dark clothing? <laughs> like, well, that's, that's, how do you know she didn't notice what you were wearing, man? That was my other question. Is like, why would you... Of all the things that you could have possibly said he was yeah. taunting her about... That was the last thing I would have ever thought of. Yeah. Because I was totally expecting something darker. You know, like his clothing. Yeah. Well, you know. (laughs) Well, he uh, apparently used some vulgar language after that. They didn't give details. And then he sexually assaulted her. That's that's what I was expecting when you said he started to taunt her. Doesn't have a great ending to it. Uh, so he assaults her, he takes cash from her purse, and then he tells her to lay on the floor and not to move. And he says, don't move until I'm gone. I might be here five minutes, I might be here an hour, but you're not to move until I leave. And then at some point he disconnected the phone and he put the receiver under the mattress, I guess to hide it. Although, take- So far he's done only he's- a few things that... <laughs> make any sense. He's yeah, he's not the I don't know. So at some point she gets up. It's unclear if she immediately called the police or if she didn't call the police because there's a big gap in time and it's not until 2008 that she actually gives a description of of this man to a forensic artist. Why the I have no idea. I have no idea why it took that long. Why the 18 years? But 18 years later, she's like, here's a description of this man. So this is what the sketch came out to be. She described him as a white man in his late 20s or early 30s, about 6 feet tall, 180 pounds, brown hair, brown eyes, and olive skin. He actually looks like... He looks like someone I could know. Like, he looks... Yeah. Like, he doesn't look like anyone in particular that I can think of, but he looks kind of like just some average guy. This is not like our first episode together where the Ketty murder suspects looked exactly like your husband and my (laughs) brother-in-law. No, yeah. This is... I mean... He looks... I mean, he looks normal. Mm -hmm. And she's remembering this 18 years later, and it's her memory of... Him with a fishnet stocking over his face. So, yeah, unclear. And, I mean, did she go into the bedroom and turn on the lights and was able to, like, see him? Or was it dark in the bedroom? That's a good question. I don't have an answer for you, sorry. The police did think at some point during the investigation that her attacker had maybe been watching her and sort of knew her schedule a little bit because he knew where she lived He knew Randy. He knew her boyfriend's name was Randy, and they said he seemed, the situation seemed like he was prepared to take on both of them if need be, because he's just chilling in the house. He doesn't know if Randy's coming home or Sandy's coming home. Well, yeah, when you said 
she walks in and he asks, where's Randy? Mm -hmm. I was thinking, oh, maybe this is some sketchy guy that Randy knows that's here. Like, maybe it's a bookie Mm. and, you know, Randy's behind on his, uh, you know, betting debts. (laughs) I don't know. Could be any number of things. Could be any number of things. But I thought, I was assuming that he was there for Randy and Sandy came home first and he Mm. just kind of saw an opportunity and took it. That could be it, too. The idea that he um, kind of knew a little bit about her and her relationship and where she lived and was waiting for her kind of comes back into play a little bit. Okay. So, two months later, after this attack happens, on August 22nd of 1990, so I have been born, (laughs) this is also in Houston, Texas, There's a young couple named Cheryl Henry and Andy Atkinson. Cheryl is 22. Andy is 21. They had been introduced by friends earlier that summer, and they had started dating, but they'd only been together for, like, two weeks at this point. So, on this night, on August 22nd, they were going on a double date with Cheryl's younger sister, Shane, and I guess her boyfriend. So, they ended up, they ended their night at a club called the Bayou Mamas, and sounds like my kind of place. Sounds pretty, yeah. It does. It has the word bayou in it. Mama. And they left this club around 1130, and they the couples kind of parted ways. So I'm assuming if Shane was anything like me, she was like, it's very late. I'm going home. Good night. And Cheryl and Andy were like, well, you know, goodbye. We're going to go on our way, too. But they did not go home. They, like, to horny young people in love drove out to an isolated cul-de-sac on Enclave Road known to be a lover's lane of sorts. And if we've learned anything, lover's lanes are bad places. Yes. For crime. Not because you're doing anything sure, wrong they're, for they're crime. A good place for crime. <laughs> they're a great place if you're a criminal. So this area was an undeveloped area. I think it was supposed to be like a business center. I got Black Dahlia vibes from it, actually, because it's developed now, but it's undeveloped at the time. It's literally a road that ends in a cul-de-sac that nothing is around. It's a big field, and it's got a tree line that's back about 400 yards from the actual space. The following morning, neither Cheryl nor Andy showed up to work, and their families were concerned, so they contacted police, and police start a search and in the early evening of August 23rd, which is this that next morning, a security guard finds Andy's white Honda Civic parked in the cul-de-sac on Enclave Road. So they come across this car. It's empty. They're not in there. The windows were rolled down. The seats were laid back. The keys were in the ignition. And on the passenger side floor, they found a purse and a woman's pair of shoes. They also found... Uh, some signs of blood. Not the best. So they bring in police dogs because they've now found the car. And I don't know why it took the police dogs this long, but because I'm sure they're very good boys. Or Or girls. girls. (laughs) But just before midnight, the dogs led police out into the field about 200 yards from the car. And in the field, they found a golf club and three golf balls that were kind of arranged in, like, a line as if they were pointing to something. Or if they were lined up to just, you know, like, as a driving range kind of a thing. Yeah, you can definitely think of this as a driving range for sure. 
they were coincidentally pointing at a piece of rotten cedar fencing that was laid on the ground. And underneath the Maybe fence... Maybe it was just a unique art piece. You never know. Sure, Katie. It's performance art. I like that you're holding on until the very last second before I tell you the awful thing that happened. Um, underneath the fence, they found Cheryl's body. She... It's a big fence. It, it was a piece of a fence. It's a big piece of a fence. I mean, like a section of a fence. That's what I'm thinking. Not like a board. Well, well like when a, you say a piece of a fence, I think a board. I was, okay, sorry, a section. Or a post. Oh, I actually have no idea what it looked like. Poss- I'm thinking a section of a fence. I don't know. I don't know why it was important that it was cedar fencing, too, but it was mentioned. Well, cedar keeps the moth, well, you know, the moths away, right? And other bugs. I have no idea. I have a cedar chest in the hallway. <laughs> Okay, so Cheryl's body, she was naked. Her clothes had been cut off and tossed nearby. Her hands were bound behind her back with twine. Her throat had been slashed. She had been sexually assaulted. And there was a $20 bill that looked like it had been placed nearby. I don't know why. So far, I'm not seeing very many similarities with this Mm -hmm. and Sandy's assault. Because, yes, this is... A murder, a mm-hmm. very vicious and brutal one. Yes. Whereas Sandy's was an assault. Yes. Also, obviously, yeah, brutal and yeah. just all that jazz. But she ended up alive. But <laughs> she walked away from it. But yeah, it the the description of the events did mm-hmm. not seem like murder was the intent. Yeah. And while you know, yeah, Cheryl uh, was with another person, mm-hmm. and maybe he had to go ahead and kill them both mm-hmm. it's still just it so far it seems very different that's fair it is fairly different but i will tell you how they're connected okay. later not soon but later <laughs> after a few more horrible stories yeah you, just a couple more so the following morning the police find andy's body about 100 yards away from where cheryl was found and he is in the tree line he is fully clothed. His hands are tied behind his back, like, around a tree. So he's tied to a tree. His throat had been slashed three times, and it he was cut so deep that he had nearly been decapitated. Fun. Super fun. And his watch and his wallet and cash and stuff was still on him. So it That's wasn't a robbery. The other thing is he, the guy stole money from mm-hmm. Sandy... Yep. Didn't steal anything from Cheryl and Andy mm-hmm. and also potentially intentionally left a $20 bill. Yeah. That's so like the, the exact, exact opposite. opposite. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, and this time I will leave money behind. I don't have a ton of information on what the investigation to this one looked like, but their murders were never solved. There are a whole bunch of questions and theories. So obviously the big one is how did the killer get them to leave the car How did he come upon them? Did he drive up and, like, park behind them? Because they were obviously in the middle of something, you know, Mm -hmm. of their own. Canoodling. A little bit of canoodling. And they seemed to leave pretty abruptly, so police think that whoever it was probably had a gun just to be able to have some control. Mm -hmm. I do not understand, unless he killed them both, like, in the same place and then dragged the body off, which doesn't... I feel like they would have mentioned that. 
So my question, my one of my questions too was going to be, do they know the time of death for each of them? I don't know. Because my dark, sick, and twisted brain yeah, is wondering, you know, Andy was tied to the tree mm-hmm. in that way. I mean, he could have just as easily been, you know, hit in the head or something. Yeah. Or he could have just shot him or done, you know, stabbed him, whatever. Yeah. If he was a and lot, then yeah. dealt with Cheryl. It also makes me wonder if he wasn't made to watch yeah, the, the distances is so strange. Cheryl's murder. Yeah, because it seems almost like, if you think of it that way, he forced them out of the car, made them walk 400 yards to the tree line where he tied up Andy and then walked another 100 yards back out into the field and assaulted Cheryl and killed her and then left some money there. Well, was there any evidence that the assault and murder took place where her body was found? I don't know. Because, I mean, it could have been <laughs> that he walked over there to be away from any other cars. Like, yeah. they walked 400 yards mm-hmm. in case any other cars come up. Yeah. So can't be seen. Mm-hmm. Tie Andy up. Do horrible, awful things. And then he might have, after he killed her, mm-hmm. dragged her over. Or he might have walked her over right. so that she would be found. Yeah. Um, and he laid out the golf clubs and the golf balls so we like Yeah, so you know but then he kind of covered her covered, with the yeah. fence. So it was like he wanted her to be found but also be hidden and I don't know. Yeah. It's very strange. There's a lot of questions. They did theorize that possibly he had been impersonating a police officer, um, and had come up like behind them and as a you know mm-hmm. I'm a police officer or a military person I guess I don't know again so. that's the delusions of grandeur like maybe he was yeah. just you know a security guard because he got kicked out of the military yeah. or he couldn't make it through the police academy or yeah. something like that and you know he just didn't want to give up on yeah. how he saw himself a little bit of a control problem I would say mm-hmm. well Andy and Cheryl's murder was never solved. And two years later, also in August, also in Houston, another young woman named Tara Breckenridge, who was 23, was working as a waitress at the men's club in Houston. So it was a slow... The men's club? The men's club. That was the name of it. Okay. The men's club. I'm like, I've been to Houston. It's a pretty big city. Yeah. Pretty sure they have more than one men's club. Yeah. Apparently, this one was just the men's club. Okay, well, I guess all the other ones are gentlemen's clubs. Gentlemen's this is clubs. for just the men. Uh, not yeah. not the gentlemen. <laughs> no top hats required here. No, 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 no dress code. Leave your monocle at the door. <laughs> well, sorry, gentlemen, you are not welcome here. It's only regular men. Good evening, ladies and men. men. <laughs> well, apparently, it was a slow night. So, the manager, I don't know if you remember these glorious days when your manager's like, hey, it's slow. Who wants to get cut early? Cut me, cut me, cut me. <laughs> I know. Katie and I are the same, where we're both like, me, me, me. Send me home. Let me go home. I don't care about the money. Yeah. I'm going to go home and I'll sit in the dark and not use the AC or the heat. At least I don't have to be here with the general public. <sighs> or with the men that were not gentlemen. Yeah. The men. <laughs> 
to North. I really need to get a job over at the Gentleman's Club, you know. Mm. My friend, Star, is hopefully going to get me an in there. Hopefully I'll get an interview soon. I mean, I think you could do it, Katie. Oh, no, I was born without the sexy gene. I could not be a pole dancer. Jarek likes to point out that that picture of the two of us sitting here recording that we took when um, we were interviewing with Jerry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He likes to point out that that picture has gotten the most interactions on Instagram and that it's mostly by men. Because we find. Which is funny because our demographic for listening is mostly women. (laughs) But so this weekend, or not this weekend, on Tuesday, I was like, oh, we should post a picture. Like, let's, we'll do one with like a human in it since we just post a lot of memes right now. And so I took that great picture in front of the... The fall stuff, and I was like, this is such a cute picture of me. Oh, I saw it. Thank you. It Sorry, was, I didn't I, officially like it that's yet. Fine. I was bragging on it a lot to Jarek, who was like, I'm sitting right beside you. And it did not get the same <laughs> kind of activity. So I would argue that the internet thinks that you're hot, Katie. <sighs> Just saying. It's a determining factor. Okay, sorry. Back to the men's club of Houston. <laughs> So normally they close at 2 a.m. It's a slow night, so her manager lets Tara leave. Or she clocks out around 12.29 a.m. I mean, she clocks out at 12.29, not around it. And she, I guess she maybe changed clothes or hung out a little bit because it was closer to 1 o'clock when she left. And she, she probably grabbed a drink. You know, talked to you know, co-workers, bartender, and then... Yeah. And... She was walked to her car by a security guard, because they do things right. Mm-hmm. And so she gets in her car and drives off. Well, her boyfriend, whose name is Wayne, um, Wayne Hecker, the following morning, he comes home, because he'd been out all night, too, but he'd been at, like, a pool hall. Oh, I was going to say, has he, been, <laughs> has he been at the gentleman's club? No. He's been at the pool hall, the skeezier, step down, small step down from the men's club. And I'm envisioning, you know, one of those places where you can't see anything because the smoke Ugh. is so thick. All you can see is, like, the pool table and then, you know, like, a little bit of, like, the wastes of people standing yeah. around the Ugh. pool table waiting Gross. to shoot, but you can't actually see people. Disgusting. I have a very vivid image of this, you're, and I don't you're know why. Great. This is why we're on an audio platform. So Wayne comes home around 5 a.m. and he finds that Tara has not come home yet. And so he calls the police and... So he immediately calls the police. He doesn't, like, call the men's club or anything? I mean, maybe he did. I don't know. But he called the police and then he started looking for her. So he he kind of did things, in my opinion, in the right order. I think so, too. I mean, you get home, you... You know, this is before the time of cell phones, right. so, but, like, now, obviously, you call their cell phone, you don't mm-hmm. get an answer, you call their work, or if, you know, they were hanging out with a friend, contact, mm-hmm. you know, try and find them. If you can't get them, or no one's seen them for a while, then you definitely call the police yeah. and get that started. I came close to calling the police one night when I came home and Jarek wasn't home and I couldn't get a hold of him. And this is in the age of cell phones, Jarek actually the day after we got engaged and I was supposed to meet him somewhere because he's getting a tattoo and he was he forgot to tell me that he was going to a completely different tattoo shop that neither of us had ever been in before anyways tell your partners where you're going everyone keep your phones on yeah I've trained Shelton uh, (laughs) well you know he doesn't get off until nine Mm -hmm. some nights and so uh 
you know, and sometimes, unfortunately, he has a really busy day. He has mm-hmm. to stay late, or maybe he's got some sort of training or something that he'll just stay late and take care of. Mm-hmm. And uh, it took a little bit of time, but I finally got him fully trained that if he's going to be home later than, like, 930, mm-hmm. he'll give me a, he'll send me a text and just be like, going to be home late tonight. Yes. Just because it's, you know, there's been times where it's been 10 o'clock or later, and I'm already freaking out that he's dead in a <laughs> ditch somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, had that, done that, been there, done that. But no, he's, I, he's very good about it now. Good. I understand my mother's insistence now mm-hmm. about just checking in with her. Mm-hmm. Let me know when you get there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Text me when you're home. So Wayne starts looking for Tara, and he it doesn't take him very long to find her car because it is. It turns out it's between like her work and home, and it's on the side of the highway. And what it looks like is that it broke down. So the car... Or it was tampered. <laughs> Getting ahead of me. Take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I finished my drink already. So the blinkers are... Jarrett, get the box. I know. Bring the box in here. What's in that box? <laughs> Delicious wine. The... <laughs> Okay, so Tara's car, her blinkers are not on, which is traditionally what you do if your car breaks down. Your flashers. Yeah. Flashers. You're, she's an exotic dancer, right? Oh my gosh. Her flashers, sorry. <laughs> oh, jeez. Take it's another a, drink for that one, Katie. It's that been was, a long day. That was a I'm bad very one. Tired. I'm very loopy. I'm sorry. So, there is a can of mace in her passenger seat, which presumably was unused. They said she always carried it with her. Good girl. Mm-hmm. And when they kind of inspected the car, they found out that the alternator belt was missing. Interesting. You know, I don't know much about cars, <laughs> but... Can you drive them without alternators? No. No. No, I had a problem with my Jeep for a while, and we thought it was the alternator... Because the battery just kept dying, Mm -hmm. and it's like, well, maybe the alternator's bad, and it's not charging the battery while it drives, and then I went to go get checked. It turns out it was a short, and (laughs) it was just a a short somewhere that made the car think that the AC was running at full blast, even Uh, when the car was off, so it was just draining the battery. Draining everything. But yeah, no, typically any kind of engine thing with a belt... You need one of those because one part spins and the belt makes the other part spin too. Like a gear? No. I don't know. I don't know anything about cars. Me either. Well, (laughs) but I imagine what I do know, my understanding is that A, alternators are important and belts are typically important. Yes. I've had both replaced in my old car. I helped a family friend Mm -hmm. who's actually a truck driver. He was replacing some, like a fan belt or something in his car. And he was like, here, help me remember where this goes so I, when I take it off, I can put the new one on. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> Got the mental picture. Uh-huh. And so he's putting it on. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you go that one over that one. And he's like, no, 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 it's it's this one over this one. I'm like, well, it doesn't, it doesn't look right. I mean, I'm not an expert. And I <laughs> he was trying it and couldn't do it and couldn't do it. And finally, I was like, I'm pretty sure it goes like this. And he's like, can you go into the computer and print off a picture? Like, this is the make and model. <laughs> so I bring out the picture. And he's like, I'll be damned. <laughs> it goes like this. And I'm go like, go inside and try and figure out the computer, sweetheart. And I was like, 
Yeah, that's that's what I've been telling you. He's like, I just hate it when a woman knows more about cars than me. I'm like, I don't know anything about cars. You literally just told me to remember what it looks exactly. like. Police theorized that the alternator belt maybe just like fell out on its own. I asked Jarek about this. He says, Hi. from wear and tear, your alternator belt can like, I guess break Mm -hmm. and drop out of your car and then your car would eventually stop working Mm -hmm. but I feel (sighs) like if it again I don't know anything (laughs) about cars but I feel like that's something like you would notice that your Mm -hmm. car was driving a little funny then again maybe not because what Mm -hmm. I know about the alternator is that I think it it charges the battery while your car yeah to be fair I before I finally bought a car that I'm not even going to say it. Before I find, before I got my current car, <laughs> my last car had a lot of problems all the time. And I would just ignore, like, if it was suddenly squealing, which it did a lot. I knew that was my alternator belt. I knew why it was squealing. Couldn't do anything about it. And I just drove it like that. Or I knew something was, like, everyone, has everyone not had a car where the check engine light's always on? And someone else gets in it, and they're like, oh my gosh, check engine light. And you're like, it's, it's been on for, like, six years. Like, there's not... Buddy, I can't do anything about that, man. Like, I have a deal worked out with the mechanic, so he passes it on inspection because there's nothing we can do. So, like, I can see it just breaking or whatever. My question is, number one... Okay, so this is any listener who knows anything about cars. Which, uh, by the way, I just looked it up, and I was right. An alternator is an electric generator. It charges the battery Perfect. while the car drives. Okay. Five points for me. <laughs> Take a drink, everybody. Five points for Gryffindor. That's not, that's not one of the items, but I'm just decreeing it. Also, you're not a Gryffindor, though. You're a oh, Ravenclaw. <laughs> We're both Ravenclaws. Okay, good. Come on. Sorry. I was like, you're either a Hufflepuff or a Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw fits you. Well, Ravendor. That's my combo. I'm mostly Ravenclaw. I would also like to propose a new rule to the drinking game, which is anytime you say hoochimadoozy. Because <laughs> you don't do it often anymore, but it makes me smile when you do. <laughs> I, feel like... I don't feel like you've said it in a long time. No, but I, was, I gotta go look up the rules again, because I, I feel like there is, whenever we say like some weird word or something. Well, hoochimadoozy's not in there, because I don't know how to spell it. Neither do I. Okay, so my question for... Uh, any listeners who know anything about cars. So, number one, can your car start and drive for a little bit without an alternator belt? So, could this have happened? Could someone have tampered with her car and removed the alternator belt and her still have left the parking lot and got onto the highway? My other question, well, my other theory, I guess, is that it was tampered with to the point, but, like, not removed... I don't know what I'm trying to say. But, like, tampered with, and it basically, was it an accident? Because Tara was never seen again. She just disappeared. No one, her body has never been found. No one's ever heard from her again. It's completely unsolved. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wayne seems hella suspicious. Which he was. They were having problems. He wasn't a great guy. She was going to leave him. He was spending him. all night at the pool hall. He was spending all night at the pool hall because they were having problems. 
He had an alibi, which is that he was at the pool hall, like, all night. Yeah, but nobody could see him because all the smoke. <laughs> As we've established, all pool halls only have a waist-high visibility line. Well, that's only from the light over the pool table, because that's the only light in there as well, is over the pool table. So you only see all you of the light You don't know who you're touches. playing. Yeah. Who knows? You get very familiar with the sound of voices. Jim, is that you? Wayne? Hey, Wayne. Randy? It- Oh, it's Bobby, dummy. (laughs) Well, he had an alibi. He had kind of a sketchy part of it where he disappeared for like an hour and a half. But the time he disappeared from and the time it was like he disappeared at like 1230. He didn't know she was getting off that early. Well, that's what I was going to mention is depending on what the time, like regardless of what the time frame was that he disappeared, he had no way of knowing that Mm -hmm. she was going to be leaving work early. Yeah, it's 92. No one has cell phones. Nope. I mean, unless she knew, or unless he called from the payphone to work to, you know... To, like, check on her, or, which would be... Yeah, whatever. Weird. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's the only way he would know that she had left when she did, which yeah. she didn't even leave right away. No. Yeah, she clocked she, out. She waited a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, his alibi, police seem to think, is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. There was a suspect named Robert Beatty who, I have no idea how he's connected with this, but he contacted Tara's family shortly after her disappearance and claimed to be a police officer and was, like, asking all these questions. He was a- arrested for impersonating a police officer. Good. Get him for that, at least. But he allegedly told detectives that he thought Tara's abductor was, quote, a detective wannabe, which... Hi, Robert. You're literally impersonating a police officer. But ultimately, Tara's family didn't believe he was involved. I don't know. Everything just didn't pan out, but he was not pursued. So investigators think that her abductor might have um, targeted her. I don't know if you noticed the theme of everyone in our stories were at a club, um, a nightclub of some kind. So Sandy worked at a nightclub. Cheryl and Andy were leaving a nightclub. I read somewhere that maybe they were, like, involved in the industry, but it was very briefly mentioned. And Maybe Cheryl know. was a cocktail waitress. Who knows? Maybe Andy was a Chippendales dancer. He was pretty cute. I'm going to put pictures of them up. And then Tara, obviously, is working in a men's club. So they're, like, maybe... The men's club. The men's club. Sorry. Not a men's club. Gotta <laughs> get it right. So they think maybe this guy is targeting people who work in that industry maybe he tampered with her car and followed her until she broke down well it's easier access to you know victims Mm -hmm. you know it's you know nighttime is the best time for crime Mm -hmm. and most people are safely locked away in their homes they're hard to get at except for people working at or attending nightclubs yeah exactly um, they also think that he may have impersonated a police officer, pulling up behind her broken down car, making her feel safe enough to leave her car or leave with him. She left her mace in the car. She she went somewhere seemingly of her own will, but again, speculation. Also, after confirming my thought of what the alternator does... Uh-huh. That would also explain why her flashers weren't on. Mm. No battery. That actually does make sense. The articles didn't point that out. Hmm. 
Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> suck it. Not porters. I'm gonna go down a really sad rabbit hole for a second. Just, yeah. All right. I'm sorry. It's not really related to anything. Then why? Because I just needed to point out that Tara's family just had a really tough time. They continued to encounter tragedy even after she went missing. Her sister Tammy died in a plane crash in 1986 when she was 22. Her brother Timothy drowned at their parents' anniversary celebration in 2008. Mm. And then her sister Toby committed suicide in 2017. I'm sorry to Do put... they have any children left? I don't think so. And I think her parents have passed as well. Okay, well, I guess... Yeah, it's... I guess that's... Sorry, everyone. I If I had to well, read that and think about it... No, I can't, so I can't imagine being a parent and having to bear your children, your, your child, much yeah. less all, all of, of them. them. Yeah, it's... Yikes. Well, in 2001, DNA evidence was now a thing. DNA testing was a thing. And thankfully police had the wherewithal to save stuff from before we knew that we could test DNA. Like rape kits and stuff for Sandy Mm -hmm. and Cheryl? Yes. So DNA evidence came back and it proved that the man who attacked Sandy was the same man that killed Cheryl and Andy. So even though those cases have so many differences to them, there's DNA evidence that says it's the same person. So number one... I mean... Again, the situation was different. He had to deal with two people yeah. as opposed to just one. But it's like he graduated so quick from, like, a basic, like, breaking and our sexual assault to... A minor robbery. A minor robbery. To, like, brutally murdering two people. Like, holy shit, buddy. I mean, and they weren't shot. No. They were... I mean, they had their throats slashed. Yeah. That is any, like, guns are violent. Mm-hmm. Knives, stabbing, slashing, extra violent. Because mm-hmm. it's more personal yeah. than just, you know, pulling a trigger. Yeah. It's it's more intimate and... Ugh. Yeah. So, they think that this man who they've... They have at least been able to connect to Sandy and Cheryl and Andy. I don't think there was any physical evidence in Tara's case. Well, that's what I was going to ask, is if they, you know, swept the car for any kind of foreign fingerprints or DNA that... I don't know. know. They could have probably maybe found the alternator belt that they suspected was just on the highway somewhere, I guess. But again, they think that this man... I'm going to call him a man because we do have a sketch of him. He definitely was a man or identified as a man at the time. So they believe he was targeting people in nightclubs or in the nightclub industry and that he did follow them to some extent, which would mean that if he was following any kind of pattern that he had with Sandy, with Cheryl and Andy, maybe he saw them at the club. Maybe he was already familiar with them. Like, drove around and followed them out to fucking Lover's Lane, and then... Just, I Something about premeditated attacks like that just... It just makes you feel unsafe everywhere. It's like, you could be at the grocery store. They're not just a murderer. They yeah. are truly a predator. Yeah, they're, like, stalking and... and that's why man is the scariest monster mm-hmm. on yeah. this earth to me. Like, throw any vampire, werewolf, zombie, ghost at me you want... 
any yeah. uh, Jersey Devil. I'll take them all on. <laughs> but humans are yeah. the scariest monsters of them all. People are the worst. So, the perpetrator has never been found. Uh, some think he is linked to the Tara Breckenridge disappearance, as well as the disappearance of several other Houston women. I'm going to read you their names and the dates that they went missing. Rebecca Jean Beard was last seen March 1st, 1986 in Freeport, Texas. Della Marie Hill- Hillard, or Hilliard was last seen May 4th of 1988 in Houston. I like the name Della. I do too. Lorraine Light was last seen November 3rd of 1989 in Spring, Texas. Stephanie... Is it November 3rd? November 23rd. Yeah. A few months after I was born. <laughs> Some fun! Uh, Stephanie Michelle Bueller was last seen October 8th of 1990 in Houston. Jane Elizabeth Winship Davis was last seen April 30th of 1993 in Houston. Jane McDonald Crone was last seen November 14th of 93 in Houston. Angela Abraderis, sorry, Abraderis was last seen April 2nd of 96 in Dallas. And Judy Ann Tijerino was a nightclub worker who was last seen June 22nd of 1998. Her body was actually found the following day in a drainage ditch on Scardale Boulevard. She had been shot to death. So again, it it is speculation. There's nothing that necessarily proves all of these are connected. There is a little bit of a pattern with their last seen dates Mm -hmm. there's lots in april a couple in the summer and Mm -hmm. a few in the early fall yeah and Um, i it makes me wonder about like a a seasonal worker kind of a thing or someone who you know travels a lot and just you know happens to be in the area these times a year i don't know well and also i mean the ones that were before 1990 our, our disappearances and all of these uh, apart from Judy at the end who we, it was a confirmed murder they're all disappearances that are unsolved mm-hmm. and I know Houston is a big city <laughs> and I'm sure if you pulled all of the unsolved disappearances of any city you know it might look like everything was linked but these were the names that kind of came up in terms of there's not any evidence. There's not any clues. Everything's kind of been played out. So, if the, the circumstances might have a few things. Yeah. So, if there was a Houston stalker, he's still out there for sure because no one has ever been brought to justice. Um, we'll, I wonder, I mean, obviously they've got the DNA. I wonder if they could do any of, like, the genome, I think. Mm. So where it can, you know, it's not going to give you a name and an address, obviously, but it can give you kind of um, ethnicity, Mm -hmm. race, and, you know, some physical features like olive complexion, you know, dark hair, you know, those kind of, I mean, I know that's extremely expensive, but... A lot of things are expensive that are totally worth it. Yeah. I was going to say that... Our government just pays for that all. So, also, I heard Jeff Bezos is going into space. So maybe use some of that money for, I don't know, social justice. Jeff Bezos. Because, I mean, well, never there's any kind of um, like genome testing or mm-hmm. I guess genealogy mm-hmm. type DNA stuff. Since it's so expensive, most of the time, 
the police forces they they cannot afford they they don't have it in the budget to do that and yeah. they're the ones that have to pay for it yeah and so that's why there's the there are nonprofits out there mm-hmm. that you know raise money to pay for these kind of testings there's GoFundMe's all the time and then there's families who pay for it out of pocket yeah to you know get at least some more answers to solving the tragedies yeah but yeah I, I wonder if that's an option I don't know. Was there ever any tips or anything that came in after that sketch was released? Not that I know of. That was going to be my last uh, call to listeners. Take a drink. (laughs) Take another drink. Oh, good. Finishing mine again. If you have any information regarding the whereabouts of any of the women that I mentioned, and again, I'm just going to say their names again just because I feel like we don't do that enough, so... Sandy is not the real name of the first person. Cheryl, Andy, Tara, Rebecca, Della, Lorraine, Stephanie, Jane, another Jane, Angela, and Judy. When the f*** did that happen? Uh, around Andy. That's why I leaned forward and kind of looked behind you. Oh, gosh. Okay, I hate this. I'm just going to finish up really quick. I think it's one of the spirits of one of the victims coming in to listen and try and help us figure out who it was. (laughs) (laughs) For those listening and wondering, what is he talking about? Uh, While Hannah was listing off all the names, the door just opened. I hate this. It's right behind me. And this time, I don't think Jarek was behind it. <laughs> the dogs aren't even here. No, oh, the dog didn't push it open. Nothing. It was just... <sighs> okay, I'm having another glass of wine with, in my shower when you leave. Oh my gosh. I hate this. Okay. Well, it's it's hot. It's, it's muggy and humid, uh-huh. and it could have been like the AC cut off or something, and the pressure changed uh-huh. or something, and allowed it to... You never know. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, I'm going to finish this up. Tony, I told you to wait in the car. <laughs> Gosh, okay. She uh, doesn't want to come over to our my house anymore because of you. <laughs> I told you it was a bad idea to come. Oh Sorry. Gosh. Tony's my ghost. Get out of here, Tony. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to go ahead and give you the phone number for Houston PD, because that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Look at the sketch. It's on Instagram. It's on our website. If you recognize him, if you have any information, here's the number you're going to call. Area code 713-884-3131. That is Houston Police Department. I'm assuming they can get you to the right person. Okay. I hate this. There's a ghost. Door's open. Thank you guys for listening. I hope we're back next week for another episode. If the I'll, I'll be sure to leave Tony at home. Oh my gosh! You know he y'all check in with us after this one. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, you know, it's you know he got jealous. My dad's in town. My dad's been able to join me for a lot of some of my work events this week. He got uh-huh. to go sampling with me. He got to get a free breakfast with a with with a presentation this morning. <laughs> so Tony was jealous. He's like, well. I want to come to work with you. I'm like, you can come to work with me anytime. It's like, no, no. Podcast work. You talk about spooky I'm, sh- I'm spooky sh- Like, Tony sounds like he used to be in the mob. That's all I'm picturing. It's like a New York, like, bring me to work with you. 
Well, he really loves when I do my, um, like, New York Jewish housewife accent. I'm sure it's not insulting at all. <laughs> it's funny. Are you about to do it right now? Could you put your, your glass down? I got, give me a second. I'm smiling too much. <laughs> Let's see. Don't forget to put on a sweater. You don't want to catch the walking pneumonia. <laughs> so I went down to Sal's butcher shop the other day. You should have seen the salami hanging in his window, if you know what I mean. <laughs> you sound like uh, there's an SNL sketch, and it's... Oh, gosh, I don't even know who it is. Is it Maya Rudolph? It's Maya Rudolph and someone else, mm-hmm. but they talk about... It's like their talk show, and the only one I remember is when they have Peyton Manning on. <laughs> like, what are you? What are you, five, six? Or six, six, four? Six, five? Six, about six, what about six, three, six, four, six, about six, five, six, four? What are you? <laughs> I was out with some friends years ago in New Orleans, and uh, as my friend's coworker came out with us, mm-hmm. first time I'd ever met her, and she was talking about her ex-husband's, or her ex-in-laws, mm-hmm. and so she was describing them. And I was like, the, you know, like, the put on a sweater. And she was like, exactly. <laughs> and then she said something, and then she and I just started riffing off of each other in this accent, <laughs> making up stories like, you know, we, we was just the neighborhood wives, and we always hung out together, and, you know, we went down to the butcher shop, and, you know, we were very concerned about getting the walking pneumonia. And, uh... <laughs> We were just going back and forth, just like serious, uh, like improv comedy there. And our friends are just can't breathe. They are laughing so hard. And they're like, that is the funniest thing I've ever seen. When did you get funny? And I'm like, I like that there's something came over me. I was possessed. I don't know. I like that there's just one bit for it, which is put on a jacket so you don't get the walking pneumonia. Well, then the butcher shop, too. And the butcher, yeah. The salami. If, I just, if you know what I mean. The only one I had was just saying off heights back and forth, <laughs> picturing Peyton Manning. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Please, if we're not back next week, it's because the ghost got us. And Tony's very friendly. Okay. You don't know that it's Tony who opened the door. Stop looking. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. I hate this. <laughs> thank you guys. We'll see you next week. I hope. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Tony says bye to you.